I love the Word of God. It is the most important thing in my life. Wow, I just saw the McCrates. Good night. See you guys here. Let's welcome the McCrates back to service with us this morning. Wow. I'm honored you're here. This man served on our board several years. And then they got out of will of God and went to Tulsa for the grandchildren's sake. Can you believe that? I love you guys. The Word of God is powerful. It is powerful. It's, the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, even able to divide asunder between the soul and the spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, this book was the Word of God dictated to men, and it's going to last eternally. Inside this book is the answer to every question that every situation, every circumstance, every problem you will ever face in this world. The answer is in this book. God will not pry it open, your mouth open and your heart open sometime in a problem and pour it down you because he's a gentleman and everything is by your will. God never violates the human will. But I want to tell you, this world and this nation, this society, its people either are in victory or suffrage today depending on what they do with this word. Every problem, every answer is not only knowing it and not only knowing its author, but obeying it. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Well, I better get to my verse here. I'm good. Proverbs chapter 30, I want to read for you a few verses. At verse 5, every word of God is what? Pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Can you say, praise the Lord? Do not add to his words. It's a scary thing. Some of you don't know, this building is used so many times. Yesterday afternoon, the Oklahoma District Council Assemblies of God used our sanctuary to bring into the ministry another dozen or so ministers for the first time. And we had that celebration here yesterday. Our district officials were here, and it's, 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 I'm telling you, it's encouraging to watch young people dedicate their lives not only to Christ, but to the call of God upon their life. And I'm privileged to be involved in part of it. Don't add to his words, lest... He reprove you and be found a liar. Two things I request of you. Watch the weightiness of these words. Two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Listen to this line. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Boy, we could spend hours on that phrase and how it's affected people for centuries. Feed me, feed me with the food you prescribe for me, lest I be full and deny you, and say, who is the Lord? Do you see what tendency there is in the human heart for all these centuries that God help you, and then you get abundantly blessed, and suddenly you don't know who the Lord is anymore? 
or say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Well, food that you prescribe for me, right in the middle of those answering that, he said, give me the food that you want me to have that I need. Food that is needful for me. In the King James Version, it says, give me food convenient for me. And there's several descriptions of that phrase. But let me just tell you, this man, Agur, praying this, this proverb, this is a prayer to God, and he is literally asking God for competency. Lord, I want to be a competent purposeful, determined, and abled believer that I might glorify you in my life. How many of you want that? Oh, what a treasure. It's as if to say, Lord, at my time of need, give me something that will sustain me. Lord, there will be times when I am weakened. It's as if to say, Lord, watch over me at the exact time I'm in need and give me strength and give me power and give me wisdom and courage, food that is not only in a sense convenient, but it's serviceable to me. I know traditionally this is, this is um, Palm Sunday and we talk about the hallelujah that the palms laid as Jesus entered the city coming up for the next Sunday's resurrection. But I, I wanted to do something today. I, I, I just want to give us something that I think is serviceable for us. I only have this and two more, and so I'm going to bypass the tradition thing, and I, I want to leave us something that is serviceable, and I'm going to use pictures for your mind if I can. Something serviceable. To be honest with you, as we travel this terrestrial ball, we're all going to need something that's useful, right? Not something that's just religious, not something that's just maybe available, something that is serviceable. Isn't that what we all need? Isn't it what we've needed for the last couple of years in this nation and across this world? I've never seen so much fear in my lifetime. I, I've seen a lot, but all of a sudden, th this fear that seemed to grip people and the uncertainty of it, and, and I, I, to be honest with you, I wanted to come sometimes and say, let me, Christians especially, but the United States of America, the world, can I take you by the collar and shake you and say, God is not fearful. This didn't surprise God. Let me shake you and say, get rid of this fear. We haven't been called to a spirit of fear. We've been called to have a sound mind and to live according to the Word of God. Amen. We, we need that something that is real and serviceable. I want to tell you something for sure. Please hear me, young people and aged alike. A godly life, a true godly life in an ungodly world is no simple assignment. It'll try every sinew that you have in your body. Satan is a, is a very de determined foe. And so I want to leave you with this word. 
some parts of this message I've touched before. But ladies and gentlemen, if I serve you, please partake something that will help you in the days ahead. If you come to my office, you'll find, um, even if you're a casual observer, for years I have had statutes. Guys, come on. Uh, things that I like. If you'll notice in my office, I admire a beautiful creature, especially the majestic bald eagle. Christ taught using simple things and things of nature. He talked about trees and he talked about grass on the mountain and sowing and reaping, that principle, and he talked about a grain of wheat as it falls and dies that it can multiply. In Ezekiel 17, God mentions the great eagle, the long-winged eagle. And the great, there are, these are called greater or lesser eagles. The greater eagle has a wingspan from six to eight feet wide. It has a lifespan of somewhere between 50 and can even live to be 100 years old, the greater eagle. The lesser eagle has a wingspan of three to four feet wide, and its lifespan is about six to eight years. Some have lived to be 10. The difference between the greater eagle and the lesser eagle is nothing in the sense of DNA or its life that is one thing. Please hear this. The dis difference between the greater eagle and the lesser eagle is one thing. It is their diet. It is the food that they eat. It's the only difference. The lesser eagle feeds on dead carcasses. But the greater eagle feeds on live animals, and he lives 10 times longer than the lesser. Even the aged eagle, the greater aged eagle, tired and worn, even in his older time, refuses to compromise his diet. Because he has experienced the difference in the intaking of something that is convenient, serviceable, and it sustains him compared to feeding on things that bring death. So this aged eagle, even in his weakness, will fly behind the younger eagles and he will share and eat that fresh kill. Isaiah said something important in his in chapter 40, they that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a, this is a picture of how God wants to have a relationship with us. I, I've had times in my life, I have to tell you, that when I've had to wait, and I want to tell you, I am not a waiter. That's with the T. <laughs> I am not a waiter. How many of you just love waiting? How many of you will please help me with my disposition? How many of you are 
pretty impatient. Come on, don't shake your head. Give me that. Impatient. I think in America, we just have a mindset we sort of want, and we want it pretty quick, and I think it's a human tendency. But sometimes we get impatient with God. We want things fixed immediately. There's been many times through 46 years of ministry that the enemy has frankly exhausted my spirit. When this world at a time where my soul and my heart and my emotions and my soul is distressed, when this world and all of its demands and the pressures has taxed my mind, my body, can I say my emotions. But it is then I must partake of food. Food that the King James says is convenient. Food that another translation says is serviceable for me. That's why I've learned to run to this word. Food which God has prepared for me. For God's food, ladies and gentlemen, is the only thing that I know that infuse you with life again and with spiritual energy and with presence and wisdom and power and courage and get you back online with his purpose for your life. When the ego gets tired and worn and weary, the older ego has a way of regenerating. It is a process. It is a procedure that he practices. Ladies and gentlemen, in viewing this process, it's because God likened we believers to the eagle. So we can benefit from his word. There is serviceable lessons for us. Number one is this. He develops a rough beak. The wear and tear of living has taken its toll on the beak of the eagle. It is now jagged and dull. It is used mostly for his life heretofore for tearing food, at times for some defense for its young. But now the eagle is in danger. He has lost some of that, please do not miss this phrase, some of that which is designed to keep him alive. Satan will come to take from you anything of God that can keep you spiritually alive and alert. So the eagle is intelligent. He finds two rocks that are pointed and they're in what you would call a certain configuration of a V-shape. If you were to step on them, these are sharp stones and pointed stones and they would cause you injury. But the eagle places his beak between those two stones and he begins the long practice of grinding, long and painful practice of grinding away the rough edges of the years. And from these stones that would be a defeat or stress or harmful or misused, 
or that would cause an accident but harm resulting. He refines his beak. He grinds and he begins to use them for his victory. Ladies and gentlemen, let me be personal with us. I will tell you this. The enemy will get you alienated and put the time on you in stress and in struggle at many times, and he will affect your thoughts. He will affect your emotions. He will affect your speech, and he will bring dullness of life. When you need the most out of the Word of God, Satan will try to keep you from feeding on the Word of God. And dullness of spirit is the, and selfishness and my ideas and everything. Listen, he will do everything he can to get you to miss the will of God. And he can even use truth. That's why you need to know the book. Got to know the book. And the book will place you in a place where the Lord iron sharpeneth iron. And he'll put you in a place where you'll learn to guard your words. Guard your thoughts. Can I say discipline your emotions? And God gives power to do that in the spirit. And he starts taking away the rough things. Ladies and gentlemen, through this pandemic we've had a couple of years, I know a lot of people who felt like they had more than they could handle. I don't understand why it affected us so badly, but it did. And they feel like they're in an uncertain world, and they've become very fearful, and I understand. But I want to tell you, ask you a question. Has life ever placed you between a proverbial rock and a hard place? <laughs> Even if he does, let us learn a lesson from this eagle, from the greater eagle. If life has dealt you a stumbling block, you can make that a stepping stone to the power and the obedience to the Word of God, food convenient for your spirit. The process may be painful, and usually, can I tell you, one of the greatest battles of being, getting rid of that which, which would take life from you and taking in the Word of God, some of the problem will be the fact that you must lose pride. Pride is one of the greatest things that Satan will take to destroy your life. How many of you know that if we're born in selfishness? Pride is one of the seven things God hates the most because it can do so much damage to our spirit and our soul. But I will tell you this, good news, God will meet you at the point of your need, and God knows how to take his word and grind away the rough places on that which you feed, and he can bring newness, will return to your soul. Ladies and gentlemen, the psalmist knew it in perhaps the greatest known portion of Scripture, Psalm 23. He restores my soul, my mind, my will, my emotion, my affections. He does it through this word. The second thing, now with a new and sharpened beak, this eagle must remove all of the old feathers. 
He is no longer effective in flight. The strength that it takes to stay aflight compared to his younger days has changed. The battles and years and the scars have roughed things up. His protection is diminished. And Satan, ladies and gentlemen, will do everything, please hear me, he will do everything he can to keep you out of church. He will do everything he can to get you to see negative in everything that you see. That's why, listen, if Satan's telling you all these things, let's go back to something important. If Satan's speaking, let me denounce again, he's lying. That's all he does is lie. Well, preacher, I don't like everything you've done. Neither do I. Anybody here ever made a mistake? Anybody here ever acted out of pride? Anybody here ever knee-jerked in selfishness? Anybody here ever said something you wish you hadn't said? If you've done something you wish you hadn't done, it's on and on and on. What in God's name are we doing criticizing each other when we've all done the same things? Self-righteousness is of Satan. And if it gets you out of the house of God, Satan already has you. You're blaming the church and the pastor and the people and organization. If you're online today and you hadn't been in church in a long time, I have news for you. If you're full of bitterness, if you're full of guile, if you're filled with, with disgust and pain in your heart, get to the church of God, the place where God distributes his food that's convenient for you. You're allowing someone else to get between you and God. Well, preacher, you're not perfect. You just don't even know how f true that is. Please don't ask my kids or my wife. And I'm not saying that glibly. But sometimes under, how many of you, how many of you know we like the excuse of, well, we had a reason. And we want to justify it. We have become professional at justifying our decisions. You know what that is? Selfishness begets selfishness. And when you allow Satan to cause you to react in selfishness, selfishness wants company to think and prove that it's right because the Spirit of God is telling you it's not. Am I ever glad you came to church this morning? Hope I didn't lose my online audience. <laughs> So he takes that new sharpened beak, painful process, plucking out all the feathers. And eventually every part of the plumage is gone, and now his body is bare. There is nothing left of his old defense. He can no longer withstand any weather changes. He can no longer fly which was his purpose to begin with. He's no longer protected. He's extremely vulnerable. 
And can I say when we get to the place where we finally get to the Lord and we forget all the things outside, we come to the closet of prayer, we come to the Garden of Gethsemane, God will lay us bare. But I'm going to tell you something, when we become vulnerable and when it's not about us, when it's not about what we think, when it's not about the desires, when it's not about all the pain and the hurting, it's just us and God. When we're bare, ladies and gentlemen, before the Lord, God can do a miracle work. Every one of us here are miraculous people that God has touched many times. So this eagle, now bear, goes into a cave, and he will find a stream of water, and he begins to wash himself thoroughly. He washes and shakes off the water, and washes and shakes off the water, can I tell you that's what this book does? The washing and regeneration of what? The Word of God. If you don't know that scripture, it is. This Word will wash you. This Word will cleanse you. And you can shake off everything the enemy's done to make you weak. But in this washing, in this shaking, he rids himself of all the soil things that weighed him down, all the things that have attached itself in this outside world to him, and him and God, if you will, with us, we're in that cave, and we're doing deep spiritual work. Now he stands in that cave, clean. Can I say barren, but clean? How many have ever gone to the Lord in repentance and you know what it is to let the word wash you and you know what it is to drink in the mercy and the grace of God and you're just clean and you know it? How many of you know that feeling? You know what? You just love everybody. <laughs> he is barren but clean. He is vulnerable but refreshed. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, life can bruise us. Life can bruise us all. Life has some pains. Life can deal you what we call a blow that can damage you. And when it happens, I have good news for you. I have good news. God has invited us to have an audience with the king. Come unto me. You won't find a better invitation than that. Lay all your wounds and your pains, God says, before me. Let me kind of walk through it a little bit. Rid yourself of all the facades. Rid yourself of all the pride, all the veneers, all the acts. Rid yourself of all the games. Rid yourself of all the externals. Rid yourself of all the antagonizing that the enemy's done. 
come and drink and wash of the fountain of eternal life and newness of life in the Lord. I want to tell you, don't live another day in any kind of bitterness or any kind of problem in your life. God wants you to be clean today and free. Here it comes. Here's my favorite part. Not really, but thirdly, he waits. <laughs> As a matter of fact, he waits 40 days. Is there any other time in Scripture you heard about 40 days? It reminds you that our Christ waited 40 days preparing for the world outside for his ministry because he knew the enemy would come. And if he prepared, I dare say, should we also. While the eagle waits, he begins to take on a diet of honey in a cave. I will just tell you, even in the midst of all this, he is still understanding of the need of a cautious diet. Be what, be what, because what comes in goes out. That's why you need to watch television and movies and books and the internet and porno sites and everything the world tries to put in you. Reject that because if you take it in, it'll come out. Guard your heart above all things for out of it issues life. That's why you ought to be in church. That's why you need to be in the book. That's why you need to be dedicated to the service. He eats honey. In the New Testament, honey represents resurrection power and renewing. And Jesus had it. I may preach an hour this morning. Jesus had it. He's always had it. And he has it today. And there is no sin. There is no problem. There is no damage. There's no pain. There is absolutely nothing that God cannot heal. But we have to come to him. Sometimes wait on him. Take in the right things. Get away from gossipers. Stay away from all the negative. Stay, watch your, watch your crowd. Watch, watch your atmosphere. I want to tell you, I've never seen such an atmosphere that's in our world today trying to destroy the very things in this country that made this country. Ladies and gentlemen, as for me, myself, and my family, we're going to stay with the flag and the Constitution and the things that made this nation what it should be. Stand, get in that school and stand for the king. Stand for his word. After 40 days, the eagle now has a new coat of feathers. 40 days, it gets the whole plumage back. Wow. When he gets his feathers back, he starts exercising. But something happens with the new coat of feathers as they grow and the eagle is exercising. It stimulates the oil glands in his body. They become active, and oil coats the plumage again. How many of you know where this is going? You better. 
Jesus told the disciples, you tarry until you were endued with the oil of Holy Spirit anointing before you do my work. I want you sharp, keen, oiled. And it's a lot more than goosebumps, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to really know what the anointing is, it's not goosebumps, although they come. The anointing is service to God. You want to be anointed, get busy and do something for the king. He'll anoint that. Jesus said, Terry, ladies and gentlemen, each of us regularly need fresh oil of Holy Spirit endowment. When we have it, we are kinder. When we have it, we are patient. When we have it, we're more like Christ. That's why, he tries, that's why the enemy tries to keep us from being old with the Holy Spirit. I must hurry. Number four, after regeneration comes reproduction. The eagle builds a nest. I don't know. Here's one. I don't know if you can see it well. They build a nest. Researchers have found that eagles will build nests anywhere from 10 even up to 20 feet in diameter. And unless they found one that's bigger than that lately, the last I read, they found a nest that was even weighed 3,000 pounds. I mean, this is no nest. <laughs> An adult eagle actually themselves have no natural enemies. But the young are vulnerable, so the eagle will build his nest on a high peak of a rock bluff or cliff, cliff if he can, for the sake of his young. I just want to declare to you that our enemy is not natural either. Our enemy does everything he can to keep us barren of fruit, but you and I were made to reproduce the kingdom. Eagles line their nests with fur from animals. They put toys in it for their kids, their eaglets. Scientists and people that study all that, they found Clorox bottles, golf balls, milk jugs, all kinds of things in eagles' nests. It's, it's to entertain the kids. <coughs> Excuse me. Then the eagles mate. And let me just tell you, bald eagles mate for life. It's a lesson we could use across the world again. After the young are born, they begin to feed them three times a day. The little eaglets begin to grow. The time arrives when they are at the age, now they must fly. You know why? Because they were born to fly. I want to tell you something, there's more to life than that nest. Everybody look at me. There's a whole lot more to life than that nest. Pastor, what do you mean by that? Watch this. More to life. They grow. They must fly because they were born to fly. So this parent eagle will push the eaglet to the edge of the nest. And the eaglet responds by pushing back. Anybody ever had pushback from a teenager or a middle school 
It's a time where change is coming in. There's turmoil in the nest. <laughs> so the eagle, parent eagle will push it to the outside and the eaglet will push back. It's, it's comfortable over there. I'm, I'm afraid of this or I don't understand this and I feel safe. And they actually the eaglets get to where they flap their wings and will actually try to fight and resist the parent eagle. How many of you know there's a lot of lessons there? It's as if to say to the parent, I, I like it here. It's safe here. It's secure. What are you doing? Why don't you still treat me like I was three or four? Do what I want all the time. <laughs> I'm not being sarcastic. I'm just telling you how it looks. I feel safe here. But here's the problem, young people. You really don't know much about what's outside the nest. You don't have a clue what mom and dad know about that world out there. You can fall quickly. You can be destroyed quickly. We must teach you how to fly. So the parrot eagle knows that the son or daughter can't stay here. They can't grow here anymore. They can't learn here. Eventually, the enemy, eventually, the enemy will prowl and find even on top of cliff that nest and make his way. And if you can't fly, you're destroyed. So the parent begins to throw out all the toys. They'll throw them out of the nest. And the eaglets get real uncomfortable. And then they not only remove the golf balls and the milk jugs and all that, they take all the soft lining fur and throw it over. And now there's nothing but sticks and barbs and briars and thorns that they prick a tender body of an eaglet. And they don't understand why mom and dad parent eagle have made life so miserable. Young people, they're preparing you for what's outside that nest. And you ought to thank God a million times you have enough parent to care to prepare you. And you want to know one of the bigger problems with America today? We have a youth problem because we have an adult problem who won't be adults. They're 40, 30, 40, 50 year old spoiled brats raising spoiled brats. I don't know how to make it any more simple than that. No responsibility. The world owes me everything, and I'm the God of the universe. Serve me, serve me, serve me. I ought to have what mom and dad took 40 years to get in 30 days. And I'm not against you, young people. I'm just telling you, you ought to thank God you have parents that love you enough to bring you to church and teach you the Word of God because everything else will pass away, but this will not. parent knows it's time to grow. The eaglets think it cruel. They even take the food away. All of a sudden, the eaglet's fun is totally gone. I want to read a scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 11. Listen to it. 
As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. God is talking. He is speaking to Israel about how he will help them. Only because life becomes so miserable in the nest, the eaglet will begin to attach itself to the parrot eagle. And they will actually jump on the back of the eagle. <coughs> and the eaglet will put its claws deep into the back of the parrot eagle, and the parrot eagle then will take off in flight. And with horror to that eaglet, he holds on. Can you imagine? I, I wish we could have a camera to see the face of an eaglet. <laughs> Then suddenly, soaring to hundreds and thousands of feet, that parent eagle will flip upside down and throw that baby eaglet into the air. And it starts falling and flapping and squealing or cawing or whatever eagle, screaming like an eagle. That's what it is. <laughs> they were having all kinds of problems. What have you done? Why is this going on? All that. Is it you don't love me anymore? What, you, I didn't do what you wanted. No, it's because you are loved. They're trying to teach you to survive. Say amen, parents, grandparents. <laughs> How could you forsake me like that? Let me tell you something. As human beings, we're afraid of falling too. But here's the good news. They let it fall hundreds, thousands of feet. It's trying to catch the wind, learning to fly. And just before the eaglet falls to its destruction, the parrot will swoop up underneath it and pick it up again on the eagle's wings. That's what God was telling Israel. And just before the destruction, I will tell you this, the parrot eagle is always on time. Eventually, the eaglet will learn to excel in its purpose, not mom and dad's purpose in its purpose to glorify God. Most important, hear me, teenagers, young people, the most important thing in your life is to find the will of God. And while God's interested in your career, he's not nearly as interested in your career as much as he is your heart being right, that you live for the king and that you dedicate. Listen, you dedicate your life to him. God knows how to take care of the careers. Your purpose for living Thanks be to God, the Holy Spirit, who is my teacher and your teacher, who is our guide, teaches us. Here's the principle. Here's the truth. We learn that we can soar to spiritual heights far beyond the destruction below. I don't want to lose one of you young people to the world. I want you to fly much higher than that. I want you to live on a spiritual plane that you have yet to imagine. Then the eagle begins to keep his eyes on the sky. I'm coming to a close. Thank you for your patience. The eagle looks to the skies. He begins to watch those heavens. And there on the ground, the squirrel gathers acorns for another day. Just a short-sighted vision. The squirrel likes, like earthbound people, 
is gathering for temporal things. Squirrel below living with a vision that's strictly about earth. But the eagle keeps his eyes on the sky, his eyes on things that are above, and he becomes insignificant. The insignificant scurry below is no longer his interest. Finally, at a given time, the eagle turns and he faces that storm cloud, a black cloud, winds and rains that will bring destruction to that which is on earth. The storm is about to descend. Suddenly, this eagle will leap straight toward the cloud. He points that majestic head toward a storm. With a sharp beak, a new coat of feathers, with a new coat of oil, and having exercise with new strength and food that has been convenient for him, he soars toward that center of the storm until he eventually suddenly breaks out beyond it in sunlight above the treacherous storm. Listen, something learned about storms. The greater the turbulence, the greater altitude the eagle to which he can rise. There's things above it called, uh, I can't, thermal, thermal waves, heat. Now with all that strength, he pushed through that storm. He can just keep rising and hardly ever even flicker a wing. There is a spiritual place, ladies and gentlemen, that we can attain to with the Lord that even in the midst of the battle, we can experience victory. No wonder the writer of the proverb, Agur, said, feed me with food, convenient, serviceable for me. Lord, renew me. I'm going to end by saying this. As a pastor here for almost 35 years, I hope this morning, some of you have been through some of this message. I want you to remember the eagle. I hope every time you see one in a book, every time you see one on a bookshelf, every time you see one anywhere, I hope this morning that you can remember an eagle. But I want you to remember it's a picture of our lives. I want to share with you young people again, God created you to go beyond things that you've never imagined. Don't get your life centered on things below. Let your life be centered on things above. Mom and Dad, when the money's longer than the month, when the enemy comes in like a flood, when the enemy is attacking everything he can, food serviceable for you and your family, it'll change your life.